Calls with Kira Stories from the Art World is brought to you by the Kira Art Team, recorded during an unprecedented year and as a celebration of our community. We are fortunate enough to know and work with some of the best in the art sector, and we are delighted to be sharing their fascinating and inspiring stories with you throughout this series. We hope you enjoy learning more about the wonderful world we work in. Please forgive us for the sound quality. These interviews were recorded at home while in lockdown. Joe Baring is a curator, consultant and art speaker and the director of the Ingram Collection of Modern British and Contemporary Art, one of the UK's leading art collections. As a graduate of Oxford and the Courtauld Institute, Joe has curated exhibitions at museums and public galleries across the UK. A former director of Christie's, Joe is regularly requested to interview artists at museums and art fairs. She delivers lectures and takes part in panel discussions on all aspects of the art world. Her particular areas of expertise focus on 20th century and contemporary art, sculpture, arts philanthropy and the art market. Jo is a trustee of arts charities Art Can and the Artist Collecting Society. A member of the Association of Women in the Arts, she sits on the board of Women of the Year charity and on the Apollo Magazine Advisory Board. She is also on the Authentication Committee for the artist Elizabeth Frink and a Fellow of the Royal Society of Arts. In spring 2020, she released her first podcast series, Sculpting Lives, supported by the Paul Mellon Centre for Studies in British Art, which was awarded the Guardian's Art Podcast of the Week. This podcast was recorded in London. Hi, Georgia. Hi, Joe. So when did your interest in art begin, if you remember? I can't really remember an exact point but I do remember at university, so I read history at university, and I do remember being interested in history of art at that time. They didn't offer a history of art degree where I went, and I went to Oxford, but I do remember kind of in my history courses always seeking out the imagery and how um, governments and people used imagery within kind of propaganda or or to kind of solidify things that they wanted to, to get across in terms of reputation. Uh, so, so I was always really, really interested in that. And then I remember kind of going to the career service in Oxford and saying, I'm really interested in art. And I, it, it's much better now, but at that time it, it wasn't that helpful to me. Yeah. And so I went into management consultancy, which was not right. And then from there I went to do a master's at the Courtauld in History of Art. Yeah which I just loved, and I realised that's absolutely where I wanted to be. Yeah. Okay, so, um, I mean, we'll talk about your current role shortly, but I wondered um, if you could explain what led you there, so your your previous roles. Sure. It's all very organic, actually. So when I left the courtyard, I got a job at Sotheby's as a sales administrator, and I think the thing about the art world, I'm not sure if this is still true. I mean, we're talking over 20 years ago now, but at that time... You know, there, there were so many people who wanted jobs that you really had to take any entry-level job you could get. So yeah. I was working as a sale administrator at Sotheby's when they just opened Olympia. And that was really fun. It was a great introduction to the, the logistics of the commercial art world. Yeah. Really 
things that people don't necessarily know about, but which you have to know about, um, yeah. you know, like tax, importation, licensing, what people are allowed to sell, what they're not allowed to sell. And then from there, I went to Christie's into the modern British department as an administrator. And within that department, I then worked my way up, eventually becoming a director of Christie's UK, um, still specialising in modern British art. And then one of the biggest clients of 20th Century British Art was somebody called Chris Ingram. And just the time where I was feeling, I've, you know, I've got as far as I wanted to get at Christie's, I was getting further away from the actual works of art and more into, you know, working on budgets and yeah. targets and that sort of thing. And he was looking for someone to help him with his collection part-time. And it just worked out really well. We we got on brilliantly. So at the beginning, it was very much acquisition advice. But the, the Ingram collection that Chris had built up, he had advisors working with him previously. But actually, I was the first person who we worked with on a kind of permanent basis yeah. with him on it. A couple of days a week at the beginning, and it's become more and more. And now it's an art foundation. We've turned it into a foundation of which I'm the director. We work with museums and galleries across the UK, and we do so much. We've launched a prize for young artists. So there's a huge amount of work that we do, and it's shown me a totally different side to the art world, and I, I absolutely love it. So you're director of the Ingram collection now, um, but it's it's not just one collection. Obviously, the main collection is modern British and your specialism, but there's other collections within it. Is that right? That's right. So it's made up of three collections. There is the, the Ingram collection of modern British art, and that's the real, whether real star quality, or that's the museum quality yeah. collection. And that's the work that are really lent out to institutions around the UK. We're also very interested in contemporary art and emerging artists. So that came about because we've been buying from degree shows yeah. for quite a long time. And Chris had always, he'd actually been on the advisory board of the University of the Arts London, uh, which is the kind of umbrella institution for, yeah. for uh, arts, like, yeah, Central St. Martin. So he'd been involved, we've been buying for a while and we wanted to formalise that. So we, I mean, we can talk about that later, the prize, but we've been buying works by younger emerging artists. And then the third collection is what's called um, Inside Out. And that's very much art by people who are outside the system. So what, what's known in the art world is outsider art. And um, Chris is very interested in the redemptive quality of art. So how art as process can be healing and helpful, so not just the finished result. Yeah. And that's very different to kind of the other glamorous side of the art world, you know, exhibition openings in London, but we buy works um, of art made by people in the criminal justice system. We buy works of art um, from various charities that support those, like the Curtis Trust and the Big Issues at the Watts Gallery. And we also like to do shows where People who present in the community who might have dementia or mental health issues come in and run programs by specially trained um, guides to to make work in response to work from the Ingram collection. You know, we also do a program where there are people who are specially trained to 
audio descri- to describe sculptures to people who are visually impaired, which we love. Because obviously, normally when you go to a gallery, there's big signs saying, you know, you're not allowed to touch the sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas some of them, we, we run programs where people are able to touch the sculptures and someone is, who is trained in describing them um, is with them. And that we found that really moving and helpful, actually. That's incredible. I mean, it must be so inspiring for you to work with a collector that's so um, open-minded and willing to share what he has, but also use it for good and, and like you say, be collecting, not just, I mean, obviously modern British and especially the Ingram collection. It's like a who's who of, you know, who to collect in in modern British and it's obviously as a genre has increasingly in the last 10 years become what to invest in really popular but it's so nice that he's also doing other things that add value you know in other ways absolutely and that's at the centre of what we do at the Ingram collection so obviously there is this incredible collection of modern British art as you say it's a who's who of 20th century British art and has obviously gone up hugely in value since Chris started building up that collection yeah. but we also believe that art is valuable you know, we believe that in art for all and access to art and also that people who don't necessarily get you know, don't get access to art or disadvantaged groups who might not necessarily go to museums or be able to engage and make works themselves we make the collection available to them yeah. and we work with a lot of really great institutions who have specially trained people and departments who do that and you know, every time I sit in on one of those sessions, I'm just amazed by their enthusiasm and energy. As you said, it's really inspiring. Yeah, and also just how much, I mean, you only have to take one look at the, the website to realise how open um, the collection and you all are for, for objects and pieces to be lent to exhibitions, um, which is really... I hope- yeah which is really important for us because as a company we're really trying to encourage private collectors to to give access to to what they have um so that's particularly inspiring for for us and also um as well as lending you also organize exhibitions and that's in partnership with the lightbox in Woking so who actually curates those shows yeah so how I mean, I'm interested in what you say about uh, encouraging private collectors to loan work to exhibitions. Chris has got a huge amount of pleasure from that. Yeah. And actually, it, it's been a, quite a slow process. At the beginning, obviously, he was loaning works. And the relation, we don't just put on exhibitions at the light box. We put them on at museums and galleries around the country. Yeah. And we had a big show at the Ferrens um, last year. But the relationship with the light box came about because Chris was born and bred in Woking. And when they were fundraising to build the light box, they approached Chris, who had given a lot of money to Woking previously to various um, schemes and fundraising activities. And he felt actually he did, you know, he's done a lot for Woking, but he had what he called his light bulb moment. So he thought, hang on, I've got this museum collection, quality collection of art, which is currently in storage, and that's absolutely tragic. So how about I lend my collection to you? And we, it's on a, it's just on loan on a rolling basis that's looked at and renewed every few years. Yeah. And we work in tandem with the curators of the Lightbox to curate those shows. Chris was very involved at the beginning in terms of the shows. Yeah. And as we discussed earlier, really involved in getting disadvantaged groups into, to showcase their work as well. We loan to other 
galleries across, um, you know, also internationally as well. But he gets tremendous pleasure from it. And we try and position ourselves as one of the uh, collections for this idea of best practice and how a private collector can work with public institutions. Because what we found, and I don't know what you feel about it, Georgia, is that there's really not much help out there. So if you are someone who does want to learn their collection yeah. publicly, how do you go about it and what advice do you take? So exactly. I find it very interesting that you're helping people because people don't know. You know, they need advice on the insurance or the transport or what should be in the contract. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, very practical things. Exactly. But in order to encourage more people to do that. And obviously it's great because you know, viewing the viewing public get to see work they wouldn't necessarily otherwise see. Absolutely, but it also adds, I mean from your your background in the auction houses and I know from managing a gallery also the first thing you do when you um, look at a work is also turn it around to see if it's been exhibited in a major show so it also adds to the work itself that's right I mean that is something that it's slightly problematic I think in terms of you know offering things that are in an exhibition does it add to their financial value but I think that. You know, there were lots, I think there was a work in the Hockney show that then went straight to auction at Sotheby's. And yeah. obviously being in a, in a Tate show adds hugely to a work provenance and prestige and therefore its financial value. And I think that is something that has to be discussed. But I, I believe that if a curator thinks there is an intellectual reason for this work to be in the exhibition, then it, it should be in the exhibition. Definitely. And I think it's good that, that the lender, uh, you know, it leaves someone's wall for six months if it's touring, it's longer. Definitely. Um, so I think it's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And also we found that quite often, because um, when collectors are the way they are, it's sometimes verging on obsession that they have so much that they literally cannot hang everything on the wall. So even more reason to, <laughs> yeah. to let people see pieces that aren't being, you know, viewed and enjoyed. So... Yeah, we're definitely... That's right. If things are just in storage, yeah. it's sad that they're not being seen. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, changing the subject, could you possibly, you've mentioned it, but um, explain the concept behind the Ingram Prize? Yes. So that is the more obviously philanthropic side of the foundation that we've created. And as I said earlier, we were always going around to the degree shows, buying for the collection and showcasing works by artists. We um, bought Haroon Matza from his degree show and got a number of early installations by Haroon, which we still show um, at various show, you know, exhibitions that we do, particularly at the Lightbox. And we really wanted to formalise that in some way. Uh, and this year is going to be the fifth year of the Ingram Prize. So what we did is we did an open call to artists, and it was you, they were able to apply if they graduated within the last five years. Yeah. That's it. That's the only um, parameter. There's no parameters on age or nationality or the kind of work that they're allowed to submit. Yeah. We also don't charge for entry. And we get, I mean, we're so, every year... It's just thrilling to see all the submissions. Yeah. And then we put on a show of the finalists. So there's a group show in around November of December each year at an at a exhibition space in London and Waterloo. And then from there, we choose three winners who join the Ingram collection. So we buy the work. One of those winners gets a solo show at the Lightbox. We also are trying a residency uh, at a gallery in Somerset for them. 
networking and we kind of feel like they've become part of the Ingram family like that's what we say it's like you're part of the family now so yeah every finalist you know it doesn't matter if they're a winner or not you know they're invited to all the networking things that we do or we put on talks for them to learn about things that you might necessarily think is relevant but actually hugely important like copywriting your work um images that sort of thing yeah and you know people contact me and say can you give me a reference for this master's i'm applying for or this funding i'm applying mm-hmm. for so yes. that's kind of what we offer so it's a genuinely philanthropic thing and it's to be honest i think it's my favorite part of yeah of the, of the role yeah is working with the artists i love it yeah, I mean, that's what, when I was um, curator of the Goldsmiths Company, that's what I enjoyed the most was definitely that kind of interaction with artists and also feeling, um, hopefully from a kind of non-selfish point of view, but the feeling that you could really have an impact on somebody's career. Um, especially, Absolutely. yeah, when, it's when so although the pr- part of the prize um, is obviously, like you say, the exhibition and all, all of the promotion that surrounds that, but also just for a, an artist to to be represented in a collection like the Ingram collection is is hugely significant for their career so I think it's such a brilliant idea. Oh thank you and we also ensure that when we do shows drawn from the Ingram collection like I mentioned earlier the one at the Ferrans that yeah. we also showcase with those those artists from that Ingram prize in it so yeah. in the Ferrans show we had worked by Victoria Finn Anna Lieber Lewis, Stephen Ingman, and that's normally, you know, the, sometimes one of the first times that, that these artists have been shown in, in a public institution, which is fantastic to be able to help them with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so changing the subject again, away from your, your current role in the work with the Ingram Collection, I wondered if you could tell us about the other roles you have in the art world, um, specifically if you don't mind talking about the podcast that you've recently just launched called Sculpting Lives which you started with uh, Sarah Victoria Turner. That's right so I'm sure that you've found this as well Georgia but for me the art world is all about relationships. Yeah um, definitely. And it's populated by lots of brilliant people and for years lots of people would say to me you must meet Sarah Turner she's the deputy director at the Paul Mellon Centre the studies of British art you get on brilliantly you must meet and eventually we met um, and we, we just got on fantastically. And we, we both thought actually we would really like to do a podcast together. And we were talking about what we were interested in. And our interest lies very much in sculpture. And also as we were talking, we realized that women sculptors are really less represented than men institutionally, also by commercial dealers. Yeah. Even though some of the best British or the most visible British women artists are sculptors like Barbara Hackworth. So we really wanted to investigate why that is. So we've just finished the first series and we thought it was quite niche. I think it still is quite niche, but we've had a brilliant reception and we were the Guardian's Art Podcast of the Week and just had a a really great review in the spectators. So we're we're absolutely thrilled actually with the response. and we're, we are, we're already planning our series two, but series one right. is available now, um, Sculpting Lives. Yeah, we're really thrilled to it. No, it's really brilliant. And I loved how you approach the subject, that you go to the different places and interview all different people that would, you know, have something interesting to say on that person. I thought it was really well done. It's not just oh, the standard kind of... I know. think also, 
<laughs> Maybe because I come from a history background. You know, I'm also really interested in biography and who they're out there talking to or what they're reading and, and that kind of thing. So it's not just a purely art historical yeah. conversation about them, is it? It's kind of biography as well, which I is in, is interesting because you want to be able to situate someone, don't you? Yeah, and, I think and learn more about exactly. And I think there's such a kind of standardised way of talking about artists in art historical terms so I just thought it was really refreshing the way that it was kind of approached oh thank you thank you very much no definitely and then also do you mind just talking about the other work that you do so um I know that you work with Masterpiece Fair and um your role as a trustee for for arts charities yes that's right so I wear a lot of different hats in the art world actually which I think um, it's just kind of made a testament to how all careers are going, maybe particularly the art world. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm delighted to be a trustee of the two charities I'm a trustee of. It's Art Can and the Artists Collecting Society. And I genuinely believe that the art world is an ecosystem and all parts of it are just as important as the glitzy kind of headlines of how much Damien Hurst has sold this for nowadays. You know, it, yeah. I think it's really important that we support artists from art school but also mid-career artists and the artist collection site is great because it um, encourages artists to, to find out how they can reclaim their artist resale rights which yeah. isn't the sexiest of topics but it's <laughs> crucial <laughs> you're trying to make a living how you how you get some money back it's yeah. really important and art can is a fantastic initiative which is a kind of artist collaboration where Artists can work together to push on exhibitions and get shows and we fundraise for them. It's, it's, it's a, you know, I find it really fascinating. And I also today, um, have, uh, worked with the freelance projects. I curated the sculpture series, the inaugural sculpture series at Masterpiece Fair last year, which was hugely exciting. And I really, really enjoyed doing that. Masterpiece is one of the highlights of the summer season in London, I think, you know, with it. Definitely. Fantastic yeah. red carpet yeah. and gla- I mean, it's glamorous, but it's also a fantastic meeting point and melting pot of incredible works of art that, that go across genres. Yeah. So you think you go in for contemporary art and then suddenly you realize, actually, I'm really interested in mid-century furniture. Um, and that's what I think is so good. Um, the quality of the exhibitors they have there is excellent too so you they, the way they present the work gives you ideas to take home definitely and, and it's not happening this year so that's yeah it's so sad yeah. i'm so sad about that because it's such a you know it's normally really sunny and yeah you can go and see so much and as you say there's normally so much going on in london at that time yeah. i think there's london art week um and all sorts of things and people put on exhibitions because they know that people are coming to london for masterpiece so I know it's a shame. It's a yeah. real shame. Yeah. Um, I've just thought of this question. What what is it actually about sculpture as a medium that interests you rather than any other kind of specialism? Well, I'm I'm really interested in all sorts of things, painting and works on paper. Oh, the thing about sculpture for me is that it used to be traditionally known as something that you you um, backed into as you stepped back to it to enjoy a painting, and then you bumped into a piece of sculpture. I think sculpture is really having a moment, isn't it? And if you think about the plethora of public sculpture, you know, Yorkshire Sculpture Park is one of the most amazing and popular tourist sites in that area of England. Yeah. Free sculpture in Regent's Park, you know, the free exhibition there is 
hugely um, interesting and people go and see it. But also what I love about sculpture is that people are able just to interact with it in a really relaxed way. So when you go to the free sculpture part, you see children are climbing on the sculpture yeah. or people are picnicking around them and leaning on them and you know, having selfies with them, with the sculptures or their reflections in the sculpture. And in a way that, you know, if you're in an art gallery, People feel that there's a way of looking at art when you're in an art gallery, which is you kind of go around and you look at the maple, yeah. have a couple of views, have a second looking, and then move on. Whereas with sculpture, it's much, you know, I think it's much more visceral, it's much more of an emotional response in the space. And so people, yeah, as I said, lean on it, eat around it, take selfies. And I love the fact that people are beginning to appreciate sculpture in the landscape or in the public realm a lot more. Definitely. I think there's something quite magical as well, with sculpture, I was always obsessed with Rodin and I tried to, I nagged my mother year after year, <laughs> like the pretentious child that I was, to take me to Paris to go see the Rodin Museum. <laughs> um, but there's something so magical about it. I feel like with sculpture, and I think you actually referenced it in the Barbara Hepworth um, podcast, it feels like such a commitment for the artist as a medium. There's something so magical about being kind of in the space around it knowing that you are standing in the space that they made it in if that makes sense no absolutely it makes perfect sense yeah I agree it just gives you a sort of sensation yeah it, when you're looking at work and that's also what Philida Barlow says that sculpture is she says it's more about the sensation and the way it makes you feel than yeah. anything else yeah just talking generally about your career what would you say was kind of highlight if there is one or the projects that you're proud of also projects that you might be looking forward to working on oh so that changes all the time I think I'm always most proud of my last project because I'm lucky enough to work on really exciting things so I suppose at the moment I'm most proud of the Sculpting Live podcast I feel that we you know it took a lot of work we worked on it for a year for five episodes and you know as you said we we went all across the country interviewing people we spoke to museum directors curators artists and their families and that took a lot of editing and it's a new medium for us as well um so but i'm just thrilled thrilled with that project in response and as i said we're planning series two yeah so that's something for, for us to look forward to we're also planning a book on the ingram collection actually which i'm now sort of turning from audio on the podcast to to writing and investigating that which Great. I think it will be an interesting project for yeah. me. Um, lo- lots of other things with, with the collection. And actually, kind of, actually, talking day to day now, when we're in, when you're interviewing me, we're, we're currently in the lockdown and it's investigating using social media and getting more digital content for the Ingram collection. So I'm going to do my first Instagram live later on this week with one of the winners of the Ingram Prize. Okay. So that could be fun. So. I'm kind of interested in how the lockdown is forcing us to look digitally, actually, in the art world. And we're also doing a our first virtual exhibition because, obviously, everything has been shut down now. So the Ingram Collection exhibition that was due to open can't open. So we're, we're going to put that on virtually, which is a new Great. departure for us. But something, something interesting and exciting to work on. Yeah, I feel like it's really exciting just seeing how people are, are adapting. And I feel like part of, of all of this is actually making things more accessible if if that is I don't know I just feel I like, hope so yeah I yeah, think so with all, with all those institutions putting things online yeah. and online and 
Yeah, especially with Instagram, like for the Ingram collection, we didn't really post that much, and now we're posting daily about work from the collection. So that is something good, I suppose, and everyone is being is is, is being forced to, to do more digital things and to engage in different ways. Yeah. So just going back to collecting, do you collect art yourself? I do when I can and when I can afford to. Yeah. And actually, during the lockdown, I have I have been buying art because I. I've been buying you know, under this amazing hashtag called the Art of Support Coach, yeah, yeah. Which, which is just fantastic. So I have bought three works so far under the Art of Support Pledge, which for those of you who don't know, it's something started by the artist Matthew Burroughs. And these artists put their work online with that hashtag and they're not allowed to sell it for more than £200. And then once They've, they've got a thousand pounds worth of sales. They then buy another artist's work for 200 pounds. And it's become a huge initiative. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you've had a look, Georgia, but they've got some incredible things. Yeah, so I have. I need to stop myself, but you can't tell yourself that it's for good, that it's for helping artists yeah. during this time. So that's what I'm buying at the moment. It's also really lovely that, like you say, that artists will be investing in each other. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I love seeing on their Instagram, who's bought whose work. So exactly. when they say, oh, I've reached my £1,000 and I was delighted to buy this artist. And sometimes, you know, sometimes for me, that's a new artist. So I'm really interested then in, in that artist. And I find out about them and look at their work. So it's, it's a fantastic initiative. Definitely. And then finally, and I plan on asking um, all the guests of the podcast the same last question. If you could own any work of art from any time period, irrespective of cost and location, what would it be? Mm, I just don't know. I think if you ask, I was going to say if you ask me any day, it'll be different. But possibly if you ask me any minute, it'll be different. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love obviously a Barbara Hepworth or my garden. I think that would that would go down really nicely. Yeah. But also the first time I properly studied history of art was at the Cockshaws during 19th century French, and Edouard Manet. I just yeah. am obsessed with still. I think so. There's that painting isn't there in um. National Gallery, you know, the better visit Maximilian because there's a firing squad, which I yeah. love for some reason. And also the Dijonet, I just think is superb, the kind of the beginnings of modernism. Yeah. So I, I just, yeah, think it's wonderful. But but either that or a or a Petworth or yeah. a Villager or Elizabeth Frink. <laughs> <laughs> so much to choose from. Okay, well, thank you so much, Joe. That was really interesting. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for, for asking me to come on and for interviewing me and for your, for your insightful questions. I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. Thank um, you so much. That's brilliant. Thanks, okay. Georgia. Take care. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at curaart.com and see you next week for another call with Cura.